Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of Latitude's In Session Podcast. Today we've got a pretty cool episode. Derek and I are sitting in Kansas. We, uh, we filled a tag, which is really cool. It's been a couple years. Actually, the last buck tag I filled was was in Kansas, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was. in Kansas. So <laughs> here we are. It's been a rough go at it in Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, New York. It's been, been a tough couple years for me, but Derek was with me for the kill, and that was really special. It was really awesome. So Derek, I can't thank you enough for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. I was really excited about this trip since the beginning of the year. You know that. Yeah, as a... We've been talking about it for a while now. As a videographer, cinematographer, as a uh, creative director as you are, (laughs) yeah, I think that Kansas is about the perfect place to be for putting a film together. I mean, it's... Man, if you guys haven't had the opportunity to hunt Kansas, I think you absolutely should make your way out here. It's the most beautiful sunrises and sunsets you'll probably ever see. There's deer all over the place. We saw more deer than I could even count. And a lot of opportunity. It's a lot of fun. It's a it's a challenge. There's there's different challenges. We'll get into that in the podcast, but I definitely think it's worth applying for and just trying to get out here. I think it's an awesome place to be. Um, Real quick, one last thing before we get into today's episode. Latitude has a Black Friday sale that's starting today, this Monday, and that is going to be over on our website, latitudeoutdoors.com. We're going to have all sorts of deals over there, so go check that out. I think that you guys will be pleasantly surprised. I know that a three-pack of sticks is going to be $189.99, so it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, Derek couldn't hear me. I guess I had my hand on the uh, the AUGS cable here. But, but yeah, this is going to be a little bit rougher than most of them. We're not going to do all the production that normally do as far as trying to smooth things out because we're sitting in an Airbnb right now in Kansas waiting on the deer to get processed. But, but let's get into the trip, Derek. So we drive out. We drove out here on... The 14th? The 14th, right? Yep. Which was... What was that? That was a... Hmm... Today's what? Today is the 19th, so Saturday's the 18th, Friday's the 17th, Thursday's 16th. It was a Wednesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. So we drove out here, um, got to the Airbnb, got everything set up. It was, it was, we barely hit any daylight on the way out here. We drove out towards some spots. Uh, thing I've talked about quite a bit is just verifying hunter pressure. So we took that first, you know, half hour of daylight that we had to just try to fly up towards some public and we ended up just trying to find vehicles. Uh, didn't see any vehicles. We saw some really good deer crossing the road in front of us. And I was excited because I was like, man, we're timing up this cold front pretty good and the deer are going to be running. Yep. So right off the bat, we saw some deer that first night. Um, the way that we decided to tackle this thing was we wanted to utilize two different things to... A, gauge where people would be, and then B, gauge where the deer would be. And those two things were identifying hunter pressure and the deer, obviously. So number one is driving around, looking for vehicles. Number two is glassing. So what we did the first morning that we were here is we ended up 
going to a big piece of walk-in land, the Weeha, and we basically set up where I could, you know, we could overlook what, three or four different hub systems. And the, the cool thing about Kansas in the right area where you have those treeless areas is the plateaus or the bluffs will be treeless and then the bottoms will be brushy. So if you utilize that the right way, you get the sun facing the right direction and it's hitting all those drainages and hubs, the deer kind of glow almost. Yeah. And so we got set up. I mean, we got in there right as the sun was starting to rise. We get the camera set up, sit down. And I just remember looking over and I'm like, D-Rock, there's a deer right yeah. there. <laughs> like it was right away. Yeah. And had a, had a doe pop up. And they were crossing the hill in front of us. Yeah. And she kept looking back and her demeanor was kind of weird. She was flicking her tail a little bit and she was looking back and you and I were sitting there and there's a buck behind that deer. And it took probably 10 minutes of her feeding on that hillside. And then I remember I pulled the binos back up and I'm glassing with binos this whole time, by the way, because everything we're doing is like sub three quarters of a mile. Yeah. In my opinion, sub three quarters of a mile, there's no need for a spotter unless you're being very specific on the deer you're after. Yeah. And we're a little different situation because we had the longer range lens on the yeah, camera we, too. So we were able to really <laughs> monitor what they were doing through the camera as well. Yeah. We did have a big lens on the camera, but the biggest thing for me is I had the choice. Do I bring the spotter with or do I bring the binos? And with the binos, I can just scan so fast and it's easier on the eyeballs. Well, why didn't you bring the spot and scope? I, because it, you forgot your tripod. Well, that, but I wasn't <laughs> going to bring it out in the woods anyways. No, I, I did know. forget the tripod. But but when you have the choice or when I have the choice between binos and a spotter for doing this, it's A, how often do I think I'm going to be scanning and then what's the distance and then how picky am I? Because if I'm very picky about the deer I want to shoot, well, maybe I bring the spotter so I can get a better look at him. But to be honest with you, with this trip, as soon as I see a good frame buck, he's a he's a shooter. <laughs> We're going after him, which is such a cool way to hunt. You know, I don't do a lot of that, so I I get excited when we have that option. But but yeah, that buck popped up over the ridge and throw the binos on him, and the sun hits his rack, and he's you know you can see his his white rack with the sun beaming on it, and uh, we decided you know what that's not a deer that we want to go after. You ended up screenshotting on the camera and we zoomed in and we were like yeah he looks like what an eight point was he yeah. An eight point yeah not not day one first 25 minutes yeah i mean it was right away and we could have made a move on that deer yeah. i mean the cool thing about them feeding up high like that in the morning is the thermals are still pulling down and at some point they're going to make their way down and the creeks are very steep where we were at so you can navigate them very well i mean the ca the cattle just travel the creeks more than anything else but but we sat there and it seemed like does were filtering through off that ag like crazy right through the hubs. I mean, like exactly like what you would want to see is these deer moving through these hub systems. And about two hours went by. We had another buck come right underneath us and pop out. Uh, we just called at him a little bit, just playing around at this point because he wasn't a shooter either. But they ended up getting to a little chase and he chased the doe up on the hill. I believe it was the second buck, not the first buck, but I could be wrong. But they chased the doe up on the hill and we were just like, man, we're in the action. It seems like it's on. We had two other does come through, flicking their tails, acting like they were in heat big time. They bedded down in a thicket. A coyote came through, bump them out of the thicket. Then they went back into the thicket. Then the theme here is it seems like these deer are willing to put up with a lot. I mean, it doesn't, it's not your typical public land deer where, or high pressure deer where you get close or they see a, you know, a flicker of your shirt blowing in the wind or anything. And they take off the other direction. Like these deer 
were putting up with us being a little bit crazy at certain points in yeah. the trip. Yeah, a lot of times. It was crazy. But yeah, so right off the bat, I mean, the glassing was was pretty phenomenal. Um, we ended up just locating a couple other glassing points there. And then once we determined what the deer were doing travel-wise, we actually went down and we found a tree to sit on a, on the wind that we needed for that spot, which was going to be a south wind or any any version of west would have worked too. But we found a kill tree. We never ended up sitting there. And that was kind of one of the things is like we glassed, found a kill tree, decided, hey, if we don't find anything better because we didn't see a shooter, at some point one's going to come through here. But let's go see if we can locate a bigger deer right now. And so we worked our way out of that system, got back to the Jeep. Um, we drove into another spot and it was just a little bit too thick and the trees were a little bit too rough for two guys. You know, we're, we're trying to get two guys. That's in where the tree. you killed last time. It is. It's where I killed last time. And I mean, you saw the tree I was in. It's, it's, yeah. I yeah. literally killed that deer out of a dead tree. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how you got one guy in there. It's broken off like what? 12 feet up. Yeah. And I was at the top of that when I killed that deer. Yeah. Like my head didn't have a tree above it because it was snapped off from yeah. being dead. Yeah, I mean, we tried everything we could to make it work in that little spot, but just two guys, it's just a totally different yeah. ball game. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm really glad that we didn't hunt there because that was like, when I was thinking about this trip, that was my fallback option. And that was like, uh, that was the easy way out. And that's kind of what was going through my head. And so it didn't take much convincing at all for me to be like, hey, let's get out of here. Let's go find something else. So the rest of night one, we ended up getting done with that and we just threw a complete dart. We ended up going to that other big piece of public, remember with the crazy walk up the hill? Yep. And yep. so we're walking in. That's a complete hour away. Too, yeah, we, we drive an hour and we actually couldn't get to the first two spots because there was vehicles parked where we killed. But we had to just find a spot where there's no vehicles. We find a spot. It's like, okay, the furthest access in this spot, there's a big misconception about Kansas Weeha land that it's all small pieces. We found multiple pieces that are over a thousand acres that have two plus mile access routes into some of these hubs in the back. And so it's there. And I'll tell you right now, people don't want to drag their deer that far. Nobody's going back that far. We didn't see any sign of people. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't know if I ever want to drag a deer that far again. No. <laughs> but, but, uh, so we go into this spot and I mean, you, you cross the cattle fence, you're dealing with cows. It's, it's a really uncomfortable thing. You're not exactly sure where to park in a lot of these. So like, I'm just trying to get out of the way. So I'm not making anybody mad. So I'm trying to do the right thing, make sure we're not making anybody mad. We get in there, uh, we work our way up this road and we're walking and the sun is at our back. And so we're walking along and you know, every what, 50 feet roughly, or not 50 feet, 50 yards, we stop and we just pop the binos up and we do a little bit of glassing and we're taking, you know, videos for the film and everything else because these areas are just so beautiful. And on this particular piece, there's a big giant power line that runs through it. Well, I'm glassing and all of a sudden I'm like, Derek, there's a big buck <laughs> laying underneath that power pole in the middle of the, there isn't a tree within a thousand yards of this deer. And he's laying right behind a fence and not wind based at all. He's like giving up the wind. I'm like, what the heck is this deer doing? Well, he's looking at us. He is looking at us. And we don't have any option at this point, but to continue walking up the road if we want to try to make a move. So here we go. We're going to try to make a move. That's exactly what we do. We're working our way up this road 
And he just has no care in the world that we exist. And I think we ended up finding out he was on a doe. But so basically, uh, there was a couple coolies in front of us, drainages. Then it's like rolling bluffs. So you can get down in those and you can kind of work closer to the deer as long as you're pretty good on the map and you mark where he's actually at. And so Derek goes straight towards him with the camera to get set up. And I make this big giant loop around and get around this deer. And we just ran out of daylight. I mean, he ended up being like, he was probably the biggest deer that we saw, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. Probably 140 class, high 30s, 140 class buck um, on a doe. And I was actually on the fence line they came down, but it was just, we were running out of daylight. I didn't want to bump him out of there. It was going to be not the best filming situation. And that's really important on this trip for us is to make this film just perfect. And so the, the right move there was to back out. And that's exactly what we did. But we decided, hey, you know what? Day two in the morning, we have the right wind. Let's circle way in. It was 2.3 miles from the road. Let's circle in and glass the backside of that hub that they went down into mm-hmm. leading to the ag fields and just see what comes back. Yeah. And so the next morning, that's what we did. We work our way in and get circled all the way around. Well, as you'd have it, we get back there, you know, 50 yards from where we want to sit in glass and that buck and doe pop up right in the middle of nothing. They just, <laughs> they just pop up and they're standing there looking at us. I'm like, Derek, he's right there. He's at 30 yards and it's, you know, daylight's another eight to 10 minutes away. So I don't even pull an arrow out of the quiver. I'm just staring at him like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And th- they don't even run off. They just no. kind of like walk down into the bottom. I, we probably could have followed them. Like these deer just acted so weird yeah, on this trip. These are the least, least spooky deer I've ever <laughs> it was, seen. It's almost like they're so used to seeing people because they can see so far, or like the farmers maybe. Yeah. That I don't know. It would take a lot to really mess up a deer out here, it seems. I think wind is probably the one thing. Yeah. But I feel like visual sightings, they just don't really care about. But so we sit there in glass. Uh, we found a great vantage point. Same thing, we're glassing these deer coming back. Um, we saw another buck come across that that ridge from where that power pole was from the buck the day before. And then I get up to take a leak and turn around and there's a big buck running across the field behind us that winded us. I rattled at him. He wasn't having it. That deer was actually spooked. Yeah, He might have been closer to us and seen us and then took off before I saw him. But regardless, that one ran off. And then we sat there for a while, didn't see anything else, decided, you know what, let's make another move because this area doesn't have a ton of deer. So we're doing the same thing. It's like, okay, well, this is the biggest buck we've seen so far. So let's find a kill tree. So we go down to the bottom, we find a kill tree for a south wind and a north wind where I felt really com- really confident that we could kill these deer. And so each area that we're in, that we're seeing deer, we're still, before we leave that area, it's important for us to find kill trees in case we have to revert back there. Then we don't have to go in and scout again. It's like, we're already here once. We already blew it up. Let's find exactly what we need in case we have to come here. So as we're finding the kill tree, we're just kind of walking along a trail, like up the coulee to where we thought maybe that buck and doe were bedded. And we pop out behind a pine tree and there's a spike at 30 yards. And he just walks off basically, like maybe he trotted and then stopped, but he stopped and walked off. And then behind him was an eight point. And so what that told me is, hey, this buck and doe are probably still here that we bumped this morning. 
And all these satellite bucks are just kind of hounding them, waiting for an opportunity to strike. And so we were excited about going back to that spot. That was on the list. I was like, man, there's deer there. We saw a good one. We yeah. saw two good ones. That was the focal point that at was, that time. It was. That was like, okay, let's let's try to get back here. But it's about noon at this time. And we decided, you know what? We need to do the same thing we've been doing. Let's just go find another spot. Let's keep this ball rolling. So we went back to where that vehicle was the night before, before we went to this spot. We tried to go to that other spot and no vehicle there this time. And so we're like, all right, let's, let's go after it. And the thing about a lot of these spots is there's multiple drainages at different distances from the road. We were like, okay, the person that was there was probably just down in the first drainage. They probably didn't go all the way back. They may have, but I don't think many people are going to do that mile plus access. So we get everything on our back and, uh, and it's not a flat mile. No, it's, it, there's bluffs in yeah, between. It's, it's hillier than people think. Yeah, it's not I, as that flat was my as biggest uh, eye opener out here was that. Yeah. And, and it is, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's weird though, because if you're up on top of them driving on the roads, it looks flat for like 20 miles, but it's the inverse of hill country. They actually just drop down from yeah. that elevation. So the hills are actually just big drainages that you have to walk up and down. But so we walk into that spot and the thing that captured, like that drew me to this spot to begin with is once again, the, the end result, the destination is ag fields. But as you work up into those drainages, this one had three different hub systems that had great looking coolies and bedding points and brushy areas. And it all created a focal point in one area. So I'm taking, you know, there's saddles, there's secondary spines and ridges, there's hub systems, there's all these drainages, there's funnels that all meet in one spot. And this spot happened to be 30 yards wide. I mean, it just was like, there was even a big giant pond in there where the deer had no choice but to go to the south side of that pond. And so when we're going in there, up up to this point, I've spent, you know, four days in Kansas in my life and I've never seen a rubber scrape. Well, we get in this spot and there is like a hundred rubs and scrapes, especially now that we've been in there a little bit more. And so we're excited. Uh, the thing about this is this, it just seems to happen to me a lot is I'd never pick the right tree the first time in there. And we find a tree. It's like, okay, we can shoot this scrape, this trail, this trail, but we can't shoot all the way across the funnel. The funnel's like 35 yards wide. We can shoot about 30 because it's really brushy and we have like little lanes and I, I look right at Derek and I go, you know what? The big buck's going to do something dumb and walk right down that cow path. Mm -hmm. And we laughed it off. Like that would never happen. Well, sure enough, we're sitting there and that it, we, we get set up. We're four sticks foreshadowing high. too. Yeah. We said, there's going to oh, be yeah. no buck coming to my left because <laughs> it's wide open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We basically set all of that. Um, we get set up four sticks high, get everything ready to go. We haven't made any calls or anything. And I'm, I'm sitting facing South and all I see is just a flicker of antler and I pull up the binos and he's center frame of the binos. And I'm like, D-Rock, it's a giant. A giant. <laughs> and it, you know, it was, he had a huge body on him, but he was probably like a, in the thirties. I mean, he was the biggest body deer we've seen the whole time. He's the here. biggest body deer I've ever seen in my life. He was a huge deer. I mean, he was the biggest and his demeanor walking in was he, he acted like a bull walking through. Yeah, a, he was thumping in. He, yeah. he wasn't just walking. With no care in the world though. This deer is straight zombie mode. We're and, not high off the ground. No. Either. 
We're eye level with yeah. this deer. And so he's coming in, he works a scrape, and I'm excited. And I'm like, he has two options. Either option A is he comes by us, it's like three yards. Yep. And, and option B is he comes by at 33 and I can't get a shot. And man, I'm, I'm sitting there watching him and he turns left. Option B. And so he's working off. And I mean, I go into, you'll see it on the film when we put this out, but the secondary angle is facing me. And I look at the deer and you can see the deer in the frame. And I immediately turn my head 30 yards to the right. And I'm just like looking as hard as I can. Like, do I have any window of opportunity to shoot this deer? And I'm going to range it real quick. And I just didn't have a window. I mean, I had, there. it was probably a 50-50 shot that that arrow gets through that brush without hitting a limb and I kill that deer. But I've learned a lot about being an ethical hunter this year and trying to take better shots. And if I'm not really, if I don't have a lot of time to settle down when I'm drawn back, I don't even want to attempt something like that. And so I just decided, you know what? We're letting this deer walk by. We're not even going to try to do anything. I don't want to grunt at him because he's going downwind. I don't want to try to call at him. Let's just let him walk out of our lives for now. And maybe this is a good karma move. It's kind of where my head was at. And it's tough to do. You know, it's been two years of encounters like that. And it was just another one of them. And I was like, man, I can't believe the biggest body deer I've ever seen in my life is at 33 yards right now. And I cannot get a shot on this deer. But it just is what it is. I feel like we made the right call. Last thing we want to do is wound a deer yeah. and have to be chasing them around. I've already, I've done that that year, this year. I, I feel terrible about it, and uh, I want to just minimize that from happening as much as possible. And so, he walks out of our life. Uh, we had another buck coming behind us. We had a doe come in. We could see some chasing down in this. It's like a river bottom. It's basically. It looks like the water level is normally way higher, yeah. but it's just really low right now. And so it's kind of grassy. It honestly reminds me of like, uh, I've seen hunting videos of river bottoms in like Missouri and it kind of looks like that. It's like that, that what tan grass. Yeah. It's got some like, you know, burrs in it and like stuff. Dry mud bottoms. Dry mud bottoms. Yeah. It's, it's, you can tell that there's normally higher water in there, but so this whole experience, what we learned is if we're 50 year, 50 yards further South, we have a really good chance at killing any deer that comes through yeah. because you can shoot completely across the funnel there. And there is, I mean, there is literally eight plus trails that meet at one point and it's torched with sign. Yep. I mean, it is tore up. And so I remember we'd both decided like, this is it. This is where we need to be. And I told you at one point, I was like, there's no reason to hunt anywhere else the yep. rest of the trip because I've never found rubber scrape in the state of Kansas until now. So it just felt right. You know, it was, uh, it was hot sign. There was good tracks in there. We, we had an encounter. We took our first sit and then we made a move based on that sit. So the next morning, what we did is we sat the same exact tree that we were in the night before because I didn't want to be in there fumbling around trying to figure out exactly where to be. We didn't see a deer. And that's probably because we went in there on a south and blew out a lot of what we shouldn't have. We knew that was probably going to happen. We knew it was probably going to happen. But what we did, the reason that I wanted to do that, go in there in the morning, was mid-morning I wanted to get down and go over there and see if we could figure out the tree we needed to be in. The thing I've realized about hunting Kansas is you can look at a bunch of trees in the distance and say that's the one, but until you get in there and you get at the level you want to be at and see your shooting lanes... You, it is almost impossible to pick a tree and just go blind and sit it. I mean, if we would have tried to do that in the morning, we would have never 
found the right tree. No. And so we get to the, we get to the point where we're choosing between three different trees and it took us over three hours to decide what tree to be three in. we different times and tore we did. down. We set up in three different trees, tore down, and finally ended up in the tree that we killed out of. And it was just, what was going through my head is get up high enough to where you have cover for two guys, make sure you can shoot across this funnel. And that's the biggest thing because like if we find a spot that has cover but we can't shoot the whole funnel, the same thing's going to happen that happened the night before. Mm-hmm. It's Murphy's law. Like he's going to come through where we don't have an opportunity. Then we're it's just, just watching deer. Then we're just watching deer. And that's what I told you. I remember it was like, you know, we can sit here and watch deer or we can take our time and be frustrated right now. And tomorrow we can kill deer. This was a three hour process. It was insane, but it was the longest it's ever taken me personally and probably you to pick out a tree and get stand set in it. And we have, I mean, top tier gear, but it just took forever. We ended up being six sticks high. Yep. And it was, we were way up there. We were above some limbs. It was honestly really uncomfortable. Get it? Like just the whole process was uncomfortable. These trees out here, there's not a straight tree in Kansas. They all lean and they're crooked and we're way out on the end of our bat wings on all of our gear, which is fine. I mean, it works, but you still have that feeling like you're, man, I'm 30 feet up on the last tooth of my bat wing. Yeah. And so we ended up getting set up. I mean, it was... It was a lights out spot. It was dynamite spot. Um, that night, we ended up trying to go glass that spot. Remember, we yeah. set up in the morning. We were like, all right, let's go glass in there. Well, this spot seemed to have the most pressure. And that night, there was two guys in there that were actually actively glassing. We could see them walking. It, they were doing exactly yeah. what we wanted to do. Yep. And so, we decided, let's... This is like the story of the trip, and this is just how I, I try to act in general. I know you're the same way, Derek, is I just don't want to intrude on anybody else's hunt in any way, shape, or form. Like if somebody's parked there, I'm not going to go in there. I want to, even though our gear's already hung up, like yeah. I want to avoid it as long as possible. And so we let them have that spot that night. They never dropped down into those drainages. I feel like they were just glassing for deer. Yeah. And the next morning, they didn't go into that spot. Well, we get there, we get down in, we get set up. Oh, the next oh, morning. Oh, no, we didn't get, we didn't set, get up. set up. We didn't get set up. We didn't get set up. Okay, yeah. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the next morning, we wake up at three. We start we're fired driving up. there. We're, we're, this is kill morning. We're kill morning. Yeah, I mean, we're all day sitting. We're all excited. We got the Pack right wind. Launches. We've got a southwest, which is blowing our wind out over this big pond. I mean, it's perfect. We get about, what, 20 minutes there on a one hour drive? Yep. Flat tire. <laughs> and the Jeep. Jeep tire goes flat. So we I mean, man, I was This I is was, a whole process. <clears throat> I was frustrated because the next two days after this day, which is perfect, are I mean, just rain. We which don't is today and today and tomorrow it would yeah. be. We don't have a chance to hunt. I mean, because we're filming, we can't go hunt in the rain. It just doesn't work right. So especially torrential downpours and hail like we've had. So I'm frustrated because it's day three. We are not going to be able to even be in the woods until we get this tire fixed. I don't know how long it's going to be. And then we've got two days of rain and then we've got one day to hunt and we have to go back for Thanksgiving to get home. Mm-hmm. So we're up against the buzzer here already. And I feel like I told you, I was like, man, I feel like we just got here. Well, how are we in this situation? And it's life just has a way of working where, you know, things happen and you can't always get that 10 day trip. And this is one of those situations where 
I had to make a call and be a good family man and not come out early like we planned on, which was the right call, by the way. I needed to do that. But so it just, you know, we lost a couple of days. It just is what it is. But so we we barely make it to Walmart. We're at like eight pounds in that tire <laughs> by the time we get there. We get there, I realize another tire is losing air. <laughs> so thankfully our, our Airbnb is like what, a mile a from mile. Walmart? So we still had a mile access in the morning. Yeah, so <laughs> it's just the wrong type of access. So we parked the Jeep at Walmart. We can't sign in or anything because they don't open up till it's 8 o'clock. It's 4 a.m. So we walk a mile back to our Airbnb with our backpacks, mm -hmm. with your backpack. We get here. We're not going to get into the details, but basically <laughs> there's two people downstairs having a great time and we can't even go back to bed. Like I, There's no way listening to that I'm going back to bed. No. We're going to leave it at that. But so we get through the morning. Um, I, I had to walk back to Walmart because they wouldn't just let me make an appointment online. They needed my keys. So I walk back to Walmart, get everything set up. I walk back to the Airbnb. I think, did I go back to, oh, I laid on the couch just like yeah. miserable because now we're sitting around. Yeah, watching movies. Yeah. So we're sitting here and I'm just like, you know, refreshing my phone every five seconds. Like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. How long is this going to take? Well, I finally get it at like 11 o'clock. So I walk back over, pay for everything, drive back. You're ready to go. You're ready to rock and roll when I get here. Mm -hmm. So we're at like 1130 and it's like, all right, let's drive an hour and go kill this deer. Like it's on. And I mean, we're this. Is, so now we've got four hours left and it could be the last four hours of our trip. Yeah. I mean, it was we've, been our here heads. For, we've been here for two and a half days and it might be the last four hours of our trip. And I'm just like, I, I just can't f believe what's happening at this point. But we go in there, our stands are already set because we set them at this point. It was the night before, mm -hmm. well, the mid, the, the morning, the morning before. before. Yeah. So we go in, uh, we ended up taking our bottom two sticks just so too. nothing got stolen. It was, yeah, 68 degrees. We had the perfect wind though, southwest wind, five to 10 miles an hour. We had perfect access. We go in, we get our sticks set up, we get in the tree. We, I mean, I just, I felt it, man. I, and I, you know how I am. Like, I always feel it. Mm -hmm. Derek laughs at me. He's, I'm always confident when we're in the woods. But this one was like, internally, I felt a little bit different. I was like, this spot is just too good. We yeah. we sat that spot for 45 minutes and had an encounter with the biggest body deer I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you know what? If we have another afternoon here, we're going to be really close. Like, if you find the right convergence around hot does, you're in the game. I mean, especially this spot is the best rut funnel I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, how do you feel about it? Yeah, it was it was pretty nice. I was it, confident too. Yeah, it's it's just an unbelievable spot. And it, honestly, it's dumb luck that we found it. So we get set up. Um, I mean, I'm on pins and needles. It's a little bit windy out, but we're just on pins and needles. And I'm facing south to where that deer came from the two nights before. And I'm just scanning with my binos and that's all. I mean, I'm not taking more than like a five minute break. Probably. I just pick them up and I scan. I'm just on edge. And I think I see a tail flicker and I pull them up and nope, it's just a squirrel and just really on edge. And we had a couple squirrels in there that are tromping around, making some noise. And so I, I think I hear deer and I'm like, Derek, do you hear a deer? And he's like, ah, I hear it, but I don't, I think it's a squirrel. Yeah. And it kept going on and like, I see the squirrel. So I'm like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. right there. <laughs> well, it couldn't have been what, like how many minutes after that? 10. 10 minutes after that. All I hear from Derek is big buck. And I'm like, big buck, where the heck is it? And I, he's, 
I'm facing south. He is his back is to the east, so he's facing west. But he's so we're like on the you know 90 degrees of this tree, and I turn my head left to look at him, and the deer is standing at like 30 yards. Yeah, right behind me. <laughs> like feeding in the grass. I'm like, where did this thing come from? Well, when the water recedes out of that pond, it there's that grass layer, and so he doesn't have to walk through the little hardwood funnel. He just walked the transition, and it was quiet. Maybe that's why he does that. But so, this this happens so fast, it's unbelievable. Our wind is blowing right at this deer. Like, <laughs> anywhere else I've hunted in the country, this deer is long gone and if, at this point in time. It, he'd never would have seen, he would have just walked by, yeah. it seemed like. Yeah, he didn't care at all. Like, the it was unbelievable. But he's feeding at 30 yards, but he's, and he picks his head up and he starts to walk. Well, I, I'm getting my bow out of the bow holder. I'm standing up. He's going to leave my shooting lane in less than three steps. So, I go, Matt. And I'm not even close to ready. No. You don't have the cameras on or anything at this point, no. I don't believe. So I go, meh, and he looks towards our tree, and I pull my rangefinder out. I'm like, okay, click, click. I'm like, he's at 37 yards. Well, 37 is a long shot for me. So I told myself that if that happens, because we're in Kansas, shots are typically longer, I want to draw back. I want to settle that pin really good, make sure I'm doing the right thing, and I'm not shooting unless that pin settles. If there's wind, if there's if I'm shaky, if my heart's you know, pounding too fast. I'm not doing it. I'm not putting a bad shot on a deer or at least intentionally. Well, haphazardly, I guess yeah, is the way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm trying to make sure that I make the right move. And so 37, I dial my rangefinder or my, uh, sight to 37. Well, he starts to walk again. So I have to mat again. And this time he looks like halfway up our tree and we're, like I said, 30 feet up. Yeah. So he looks halfway up the tree and he's just staring and so I clip on my release, I draw back, and now he looks at me. And Derek's like, am I good to move? And I was like, no, no, okay, now, as I'm drawing back. And so Derek spins with the camera. It's something out of, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch this footage. But he spins with the camera, he's working on his focus channel, and bam, he locks in. He's on the deer, and I just settle the pin. It felt really good. I release, and at this point, he's slightly quartering two. Like, I don't, I don't know what angle, but he's quartering to a little bit. I shoot, it hits, I'm shooting iron wheels with a 520 to 525 grain arrow. Um, just two blade iron wheels. I shoot, it hits him right in front of the shoulder. Goes, I mean, right, it comes right out the other side, right where the lungs are. I mean, three inches behind the pocket of the shoulder. I mean, it sounded incredible. It's, yeah, it had the pop. we didn't know immediately where we yeah. hit him. It, it had the pop. It had the whole nine yards. It was really sunny out, so the Luminoc was hard to see. But when he spun around and ran off, I could see that arrow hanging 90% out of him. I mean, directly out of the lungs, and I could see the blood just pouring like crazy mm -hmm. i mean his whole like he was building up like that softball size of blood and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and so we celebrated I'm like man we just made a great shot on this deer and uh was really excited we end up getting down after like probably a half hour to look for mm -hmm. decent blood we get down we're trying to find blood the thing with these iron whales is they're great broadheads but they don't necessarily bleed right away or they don't bleed very much and it's, you know, it's you just got to have a complete pass through, through the pocket. Yeah. And even then, I mean, I've, I've killed, I think three, I think this is my third buck I've killed with iron whales and all of them are pretty much the same story where they just don't, 
I mean, dad's buck didn't bleed until he didn't bleed at all the whole time. He never. Did you have a pass through on him? Yeah. Full pass through. He wow. never bled. And it's just there. It's such a small slit, you know, yeah. like, but they're so strong that when you get those quarter and two shots, they poke through the scapula so well. It gives you a chance. It gives you a chance. And so, uh, we get down, can't find blood, but I'm not overly discouraged because I'm like, okay, I've been here before. This is pretty typical. Well, we end up walking like 150 yards and we were talking about, you know, backing out, giving him some more time. And all I wanted to do was just get up a little bit closer and just see where he entered. Like we want to find where he entered the woods to see if we could find the arrow. Well, we find that spot and arrow falls out and he just starts bleeding like crazy right there. There was really good blood. It looked like lung blood. I mean, at this point, I'm back in the game. I'm like, all right, we, we've smoked him. <clears throat> well, long story short, I don't, I mean, the lungs were absolutely destroyed in this deer, just completely destroyed. But I don't know if it was like high one, high one lung and then full the other or what, but he ended up running like 300 yards. And I mean, at this point, there's no doubt in my mind that this deer is dead. Like I'm convinced he's dead. But we ended up, what we did is to find him, we circled around and glassed for a little bit just to make sure he wasn't running up on those those coolies or those uh, those bluffs. Didn't see anything. Well, we start circling around and he gets up and runs. Yeah. He gets up and runs on us. He drops down the creek. So I take off running and he's in bad shape. I mean, he's in really bad shape. And this has been like, what, probably an hour it's almost getting dark. Yeah, at this it's point. about an hour after the kill. And he gets out in the field with the cattle and he's just, I mean, hurting as bad as can be. I at this point I can't believe the steer's alive. It's blowing down my in the mind. Middle of the field. Bed's down in the middle of the field. And over the next ten minutes, as terrible as it was, it was it was terrible. But we I mean, I watched him slowly lower his head more and more and more. Yeah. And it was uh I, I really don't know what to say about it. I mean, when we ended up going up and gutting that deer. I pulled the lungs out and they were absolutely destroyed. So when I walked up to him, we had, you know, I don't know, 20 minutes of daylight left. I put a second shot in him just because I felt like he was like, he was done, but I just wanted to make sure that he was like, not going to suffer at, for another second more than he had to. So maybe I hit the lungs a little bit more there, but when I gutted him, I mean, he was, his lungs were destroyed, like as destroyed as I've ever seen on a bow kill. I mean, it looked like I hit him in the lungs with a rifle. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, the biggest chunk was like maybe a one and a half by one and a half inch chunk. And then it was all just like jelly, jelly. So I, I don't even know what to say about it. I've never had that happen before. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I I cannot believe that where that arrow came out and went in, that that deer lived for as long as he did. But we, I mean, I don't know if we got lucky, if you want to call it that or what, but we ended up, you know, finding him the way we did. And the fact that he just couldn't move any further. Um, the lesson learned there is if you do have a doubt, this is, you know, me talking to myself, if I have a doubt moving forward, it's, it's probably the better idea to stay back and just back out or do that circle and glass if you have that opportunity. I feel like that was a good move. Um, but I do think that the one thing that we did there that was good is when we circled around and came back towards the last blood as opposed to continuing to push him. Yeah. 
you know, when we came back, we basically were flanking him back on, like, go all the way over to the last few, the last field before the private and start walking back, like, you know, towards where we shot him. That way, if we do bump him at that point, he's going to run back the way we need him to go. Yeah. As opposed to running over on the private and dying. And then we have to get permission and we have to... It's a whole ordeal. Make, yeah, it's a whole ordeal. So, I don't necessarily know what the right answer is there. I know that everything led me to believe that he was double-lunged and dead the whole time. The blood looked right. The arrow looked right. The yeah. shot looked right. It's just one of those situations. And I've, I've seen it before where guys make pretty good shots. And it just doesn't it doesn't work out all the time. And no. I don't, I don't know. It's a living, breathing animal. And I don't think that any circumstance is ever going to be the same. Yeah. You know, you can make a really good shot and they just, they have a will to survive oh, this sometimes. time of year too. They're all jacked up. These yeah. bucks, they got testosterone flowing through them. <laughs> they do. It's a, it's a good point, but, but yeah, so that was, uh, that was that whole situation. It, it wasn't the most ideal thing. Obviously I felt pretty bad. Um, it kind of, you know, it sucked a little bit. Not gonna lie to you, I absolutely hate doing that and hate knowing that there was a deer suffering for any moment longer than it had to because of me. And I mean, the the thing I can look at there is it's so hard in the moment. You know, it's always looking back in hindsight. But he was quartering two more than I thought he was, and he, that is probably one of the bigger factors. At least I think he was. Like, I look at the film and I can see that he was quartering too. But when you're in the moment, it's like, oh, he's broadside. Yeah. It's really hard to step back out of that rush moment, especially when it happens, like, you know, as quick as it does sometimes. But yeah, I mean, I uh, I was extremely grateful and it's been a long road and all you guys have been supporting us and listening to the podcast and, you know, supporting us over on Instagram and watching the grit series and it's just been it's been really humbling to see how many people have been supportive of this thing up to this point and i'm just glad that i can finally give you know i can finally produce something Welcome it's been a, grit, man it's been a long road <laughs> it's been crazy i just feel like ever since this thing started this year it's been it's been my uh we're gonna do a podcast about this but it's been my best worst season of my life I've had more encounters with big deer and just haven't been able to get it it's done. A total it's total 180 from last year for you. It, yeah, it is. Last year, I didn't even see a big deer until the last week of season. But this year, it's, man, I mean, Kentucky, day two, Indiana, saw one day four, Kansas situation. I've been all over this Ohio buck and I just can't seem to get it done. And so to come out here and get it done in good fashion with you filming with my friend it was you know it was just a really awesome moment and experience and you know we got to drag that deer out of there a mile and a half yep. it was a mile and a half drag we had coyotes all over the place there was some creepy abandoned houses in there we had to drag the deer uphill, past downhill uphill downhill and you know what it was awesome though it was uh stars were out it was a beautiful night it was it was well worth it yeah it was a cool experience yeah so we're sitting at the Airbnb for at least another day. Um, we just had to take it to a processor to get deboned and get caped out and capped. And then they have to burn the cap so we can transport him back across state lines the right way. So we're here. We have been working on a, you know, a little bit of ad stuff, a little bit of film stuff, some photos and talking yep. more deer and yep, yep. getting get ramped some. up for, for a couple more hunts. Uh, plan is to get back to Ohio and chase that big deer down, 
you'll be in Pennsylvania yes, chasing sir. bucks down, yeah. rifle season. D-Rock's behind the old gun. Yeah, I wish I could go <laughs> film that. That would be a blast. If it's anything like your turkey season, it'd be a good oh, time. Oh, God. <laughs> it would be a real good time. But yeah, D-Rock, uh, I, I can't thank you enough, man. Um, you know, it's, it's really cool to... It's one thing to do it all by yourself and go out there and experience it. And you're, you know, you're excited out by yourself in the middle of nowhere. And you're dragging that deer back, you know, mile and a half thinking, what am I doing? But to just, to have one of your friends with you to experience that and share that memory and that happiness and help you drag it out. You know, that was a big part of it. Yeah, so yep. I, I can't thank you enough, man. I really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. I mean, the world to be here. There was a bunch of bunch of welcome to kansas moments this trip and they just kept stacking up so i was really blessed to be here with you yeah i appreciate that man the uh the grit film for this thing is is going to be something else i mean the footage derek got of like i said the sunrises the sunsets these we got a buck that buck that i tried to put a stock on just fully breeding a doe by that power yeah pole. that was a first i was that pretty was, excited about that I, I mean yeah he was breeding a doe and he derek got like you know, 4K footage of that. So I don't even know how we're going to handle that yet. But yeah, Kansas thinks it really easy to make you look like to make it look like I know what I'm doing. It's it, so beautiful out here. It was it was a really beautiful trip. It was short lived. I mean, we were here for four days total. So short lived. I wish we had more time out here to be honest with you. But we're going to have tags here in the future. Hopefully, you'll have a tag out here. Yeah. And we're not done with Kansas yet. We're going to keep you know rolling out here and figuring this state out and. Hopefully we can figure a couple other states out, but but I am very excited for the grit next year. Alex Chop's been on an absolute terror on the deer. Yep. He's laying them down left and right, and I know Corey Godar is, I mean, he is right on the tail of a giant, mm -hmm. and I have no doubt in my mind that he's going to track that buck down by the end of the year. So I think that grit next year is going to be awesome. There's yeah. a bunch of good films. We've got some awesome camera guys. We've got some awesome producers. Should be a great time. Yeah, it should be good. I'm pretty excited to put this together. It's definitely cool having all you guys involved this year with us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a really cool thing we got going on right now. I'm uh, really excited to keep it going. But hey, Dirac, I think that's that's a great podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this thing. Um, a, we've got Latitude Outdoors over on Instagram. Mm -hmm. B, we've got Derek's Instagram. Your handle is Dirac Creates. Dirac Creates, which is perfect. That's, that's exactly what you do. It's, but uh, yeah, go check out Latitude Outdoors over on Instagram. Go check out Derek. He, he posts great photos and videos all the time. And a lot of the ones that I don't post to like this deer, for example, he'll end up posting himself. So you'll see more photos over there and kind of the whole story. He's, he's great at storytelling. So yeah, D-Rock, thank you once again for coming on, man. No, no problem. Thank you for shooting a deer so I didn't have to sit all day this whole trip. That was a blessing. Thank you. Yep, yep, of course. <laughs> hey, thank you guys for listening to today's show, and I really do appreciate the support.